Hey guys, nice to have you back in another MSPs in Conversation podcast, a show where you can listen to your peers as they talk about real life takes and advice on how to run and grow a successful MSP. In today's episode, we're going to explore the possibilities that automation can bring into your own business. Today's guests, we have Aaron Jacobs of Roden and MSP coach James Davis of C-Level Operations, now Pax8. And they're going to be talking about how automation can boost your MSP's ability to scale. So a little bit about Hosted Network. If you don't know about us uh, or what we do, well, we're clearly not doing our job properly. But um, we are a wholesale cloud and telco provider for uh, MSPs. Uh, We only deal with Aussie MSPs. We were an MSP ourselves. uh, And our goal in life is to solve your problems through cloud and telco solutions. Um, But enough about us. Let's talk about our panelists. So today we are joined by James Davis, uh, the Managing Director for APAC for C-Level Operations. Uh, Some of you may have seen in the press that we have partnered with C-Level. Uh, James, uh, would you mind giving us a, a brief introduction to yourself uh, and to C-Level? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I have a background in working in the MSP industry for about 10 years. Um, come from a sales background, so I'm a bit different to the typical um, technical owner. Uh, managed the MSP down in Canberra. And I've owned and operated businesses outside of the MSP space as well. Uh, for the past four years, I've been coaching MSPs and their leaders and joined up with C-Level to bring down their operational program uh, July 2020 um, and start to help a lot more MSPs improve their operational maturity and more importantly, develop the next level leaders inside the business so we can we can grow and get unstuck and uh, go on our different journeys. So fortunate Fantastic. to see many, many different MSPs of different shapes and sizes um, here to share my wisdom. Cool. Well, operational maturity is a word that I absolutely love. I think we've, uh, we've previously done a topic on it, in fact. So everything that we, uh, we're sort of talking about today is about driving and increasing that uh, operational maturity within uh, uh, your businesses. Uh, Aaron, uh, Jacobs, uh, Aaron, you've joined us for a few before, um, so you've probably got a good spiel already. Uh, Aaron is from Roden. Give us your spiel. I don't have a spiel. No? Put you on the spot. <laughs> um, put me on the spot. No, no, I'm from Rodan GM. We're a uh, Australian-based MSP based out of Wollongong. Um, finally back in the office, which is nice. Uh, we are about 25 to 7 staff, depending on what day it is, um, and we manage about 4,000 endpoints uh, across Australia. So that's, that's my pitch. That's my spiel. Cool. Awesome. And uh, myself, I am the CEO of Hosted Network. Uh, like I mentioned before, we started as a managed service provider ourselves. Uh, and we basically, are the, the short of it is, um, every sort of second person that was coming to us was an MSP asking for the solutions that we were offering. And we eventually went 100% channel. Uh, and that's all we do is work with uh, MSPs across Australia. So um, I love the topic of automation. Um, it is my absolute baby. Uh, in fact, my, my, my DevOps team often joke about getting t-shirts that their job is uh, automating Ben's world. Um, so, <laughs> but um, we're going to be covering a little bit more uh, than just sort of technical automation today. Um, and with that, I will stop sharing so that everyone can see our beautiful faces a little bit bigger. Um, so uh, <coughs> automation, you know, automation is more than just, uh, you know, how to uh, 
automate a, a process of you know, something technical, whether it be RMM or something like that, uh, it can really relate to all areas of your business. Uh, as an example, it could be HR, you know, leave management. It could be uh, something to do with payroll. It could even be uh, you know, improving the process and automating the process or parts of the process that your customers submit tickets right, to sort of, you know, reduce the overhead of staff um, working on the phones and things like that. Um, whatever it is, uh, it is always about, um, you know, streamlining your business, right, making, in, in improving that scalability, taking the human error out of it, decreasing the risk. Um, but when I think for our business of how we started, you know, our automation journey, um, it really did come with a mind shift, a mindset kind of shift. Um, me as the business owner, way back when it started with trust, right? Actually letting other people take on things that we could then sort of start building out processes. So I'm going to start there way back at the beginning of how we all sort of started our automation journeys and whatnot. So James, it's a mindset change, right? So, you know, you and I talk about mindset a fair bit. You know, how do you, what is the, you know, the mind, the right mindset that uh, an MSP needs to be in to start their automation journey? I think more than any of it, it comes down to being able to think, a, think ahead, even if it's thinking to tomorrow rather than looking at what I've got to do today or more importantly, what's all the shit that I've got to clean up from yesterday. But like, that's where we start, right? We're always cleaning up behind ourselves, not, not being able to look forward. So being able to take a, a breath and actually stand back and go, well, what am I doing right now? Is it even the right things? And then, and then starting to look and break that down. And, and for a lot of people initially, that's super daunting because we're super busy. We're all busy in our, in our day-to-day roles. And until we change our mindset and start to prioritise different things and start to say what we're doing now isn't necessarily the best and right way and prioritizing time to actually sit down and think about it and basically nut it out. Um, irrelevant of high level strategy or um, how low ta- tactically it really is, we need to take time to actually work on the business, not in the business. Like that's a throwaway term we all use, but what does it actually mean? It actually just means setting aside some time to, to work on this stuff. Um, and until we, actually just make a priority and say yes to this and no to other things, it just won't change. Sometimes you need to let something burn, right? There's always a fire. Something's going to have to burn. (laughs) And there's so much power in no. It's like, you know, whatever we're doing, there's always a, there's always power in saying no, saying no to the clients. That's not as important saying no to our internal staff to say, no, that's actually not that important right now to do. We need to start with no and build it back up because we're so used to working day to day flat out. We're just doing what we've always done and not questioning it. And the longer that we do that, the harder that we work at doing that, that behavioral trait just keeps getting reinforced over and over and over again. And we, you get to that point where it's like, if, I have to do everything or it's going to fall apart because you don't actually know all the components that are driving your role or driving your business or driving client success. You've got no concept to it because it's all just intertwined and we can't articulate what we do either. And that's usually the, the, the hardest part for people when they, when they 
have that awareness of things need to change. They don't actually know what needs to change because they, you don't have their you don't have the ability to articulate what you do. I've been there myself. I've been a small business owner, sole trader. You just get super busy just doing it, same thing over and over until I took that time, whether it was like time in the car to think about it, time, time, time in the shower. Yeah, it could be anything. Definitely shower. Definitely shower. <laughs> it's very much just taking time to actually think about it is the first step um, uh, to, to moving forward and changing that mindset, I think, more than anything. Yeah, it's a it's it's a shift in. Uh, I actually I remember distinctly when my mindset changed um, because I actually uh, I used to hold on to a lot of things, you know. And this was for you know we still we had you know fifteen twenty staff at the time, but we I was still holding on to a lot of things. And I actually got a phone call from um, Luke and Dylan, our infrastructure manager, and they actually said thank you to me. Uh, and I was like, what do you guys mean? They're like, thank you for giving us permission to go and do like, you know, for trusting us. And I was like, what do you mean? You've always had that, you know, like, but I hadn't, I hadn't had that mindset change of just sort of, you know, and so that was, I still remember that to this day of going, Hey, you know, so if I've, if I've got a team trusting them to, you know, let them do those bits and pieces. Um, but um, okay. So Aaron, um, you know, you, I asked you to be on today's panel because you guys are unique in the sense that um, not a lot of our MSPs have dedicated automation staff. You made it a role. Um, what was that, you know, mindset piece of it for you that kind of went, all right, enough's enough. We're going to really commit to this. Yeah. So um, look, it was part of what you were just talking about there is when realizing it. So, and I reckon a lot of people on the phone, you guys would be juggling automation. And for me at the start, like I'm sure a lot of you, it was all very technical focused. How can we, you know, automatically detect things are wrong uh, on customers' machines and then ultimately fix them, right? And for me, that that big part, and that's that's where my journey's always been with the technical background, was trying to minimize help desk requests. And that's the obvious one in MSPs, right? <clears throat> so I juggled that, um, but I could imagine many people would have different people trying to juggle that and also trying to do support at the same time. So you know, trying to manage the RMM is probably the right thing I'm trying to say there. But it got to a point, and I guess this becomes, this is part of my mantra always is in my role as a leadership and running the business, I'm always trying to do myself out of a job. Now, that's, that sounds like a funny thing to say, but I think it's sort of the best approach. And I, I, I coach it to my managers and everyone around me. I, they, I, I'm like, you know, you've got to make this so automated or if not automated, process it that you can hand it off to someone like what you guys were just talking about letting go. You've got to be able to get rid of it. <clears throat> and then, you know, people often say to me, well, then what am I going to do? I'm not going to have anything to do. And I go, great. This will find you something else to do. You're not going to not have a job. So there's a fear element to it for a lot of people. hundred percent. There's a fear element. They think they won't have a job if they're going to like hand this off to someone or, or automate it. Right. And even some of my tech say it, they'll make jokes when we do an, another great automation and they'll just like, Oh, there goes our job. But I'm like, no, not at all. So, and it's always a, a continual improvement process, right? It's never, it's never done. Absolutely. The robots aren't going to take over. They're not going to take over. They're absolutely not going to take over. <laughs> I wish they would, but they're not. So, <laughs> but so, but yeah. For look, for me, turning it into a role really was it was really just getting that extra buy-in and 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 wanting to do more. So taking it from technical, which I mean, we do a huge amount of technical automation, and we really 
have, and that's, a, sorry, I guess that's allowed us to grow our client base and managed machines without putting on additional headcount. And I, I, I track those numbers about how many machines to tech ratios and things like that. And I have a target that to this day, I still haven't reached. Um, that's probably going on five, six years, but we're always edging closer to it. <clears throat> so um, taking that next step was really pushing automation across the business in all avenues, but, but then really wanting to do more and more and more. And the, I guess the good thing about MSPs nowadays is there's a lot of new platforms out there to do mm, automation. Especially in the last few years. Definitely, yeah. I've got a couple of names that I'll drop later, but um, they're, they're, they're really good. And But the problem is they still need time. So depending on where you get, you're either trying to juggle automation, which is secondhand to your primary role, <clears throat> or you know you really just can't commit to the time. And, and the good thing about automation is I feel that you need to have a bit of freedom to think. And some of you guys were talking earlier um, and what I was thinking about was a couple of things that just recently have happened in, in my sales and admin departments. Um, we didn't realize because you leave these departments to go on or, or to do their own thing. And it was only when we sat down and reviewed their processes and we're like, wait, what are you doing here? And it's like, oh, I do this, this, and this. And like, how long does that take your day? Oh, about an hour. And like, I'm just looking at it going, that could be done in 35 seconds with automation. Like, well, this is ridiculous. So, um, so it's amazing. So you need the time to going back to what you said, James, to work on the business, to really just sit and watch, take notes and go, okay, <laughs> we're going to fix that now and then turn to automation. So that's where it led to me to hiring someone. Um, and it's even gone past that now. I've My, my full-time automation engineer is now subcontracting to other people because of the amount of stuff we're doing both for clients and internally. So he's now, I guess, managing even more automation, if that makes sense. So. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. so you started with technical automation. Um, mm -hmm. What was the, and let's call that the low hanging fruit, right? Yep. That was the easiest apple to pick from the tree. What was, what was sort of next in line for you guys? So next in line, um, I would probably start to say internal processes is where I went to next. So what I mean by that is, is um, repeatable things that happen inside your business. Now, there's a lot of different ways to automate these things. There's plenty of platforms out. Like if we take things, something like license ordering through Office 365, there's lots of ways to automate that process. So you buy it, the license appears and, you know, and, and the billing side of that happens. But, but even more things, you all have things inside your business where, you have to ask someone to do, and often it's admin, right? Admin has this swivel chair is what we call it, right? You call it swivel, swivel chair. chair. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, there's things like shipping requests. You've got to ship something to a client or to a vendor or whatever. Um, change management is a big one. As in your techs need to change something in your customer's environment. Now, if you're smaller MSP, that's, you're probably just YOLOing it and just doing it. I should, we shouldn't say that, but you probably are, um, you know, test in production and all those kind of fun things. But um yeah, everyone's got a test environment, but the, the reality is you shouldn't be doing that. So change management is important. So I'm really big on forms and using, you know, that could be Microsoft Forms. You all have access to that and, and something like Power Automate just to, just to simply prompt the techs or whoever this is for the right information. Because if you've got tickets going forward and back or emailing someone, everyone's going to ask for it slightly different. Even if you write a process or a procedure, it's still going to do it. Yeah, standardization. So you, and to be honest, half the time, if you put a form in front of people and say you have to fill this form out, if you ask the questions the right way, that just triggers them. They go, oh, shit, I haven't even done that yet. And go and fix it. And then you never know. They might not even need to do what they're doing. So standardization, but then taking all that information and then just automating the next steps, even if that is just creating a ticket and handing it off to someone or 
maybe it's passing to someone for approval for a yes, no, um, that then, you know, that can go on to the next step. That's where I went next into internal processes. And again, that's an ongoing thing, but that's, um, that's where we've you been up. You follow the bouncing ball, right? 100%. Where's the next bottleneck? Where's the next Definitely, bottleneck? Definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've done you just got to start the journey. Yeah, yeah. And once we once you get over those first couple, you know, then it just opens up your eyes to a whole bunch more. And, you know, simple little things that we've just been able to make standard, you know, so like ask admin to do something, fill out the form. That makes a ticket for admin. Admin do it. They click a button. That then notifies the person who made the request that it's done and gives them all the reference numbers and things like that. Just, just small stuff. So, yeah, internal process, I would say, would be next. Um and then, yeah, I mean, you can take it from there. There's lots of different avenues to go yes, into, yeah. into sales and marketing and all those other areas as well. So, so I, I think that's a that's a that's an interesting comment in the sense that uh, automation doesn't necessarily need to be a process end-to-end. It can be a part of a process, right? It could be the first step yeah. of that, like just a form, right? Having a form is a very good example of a simple automation. Um, okay, so James... In you obviously work with um, a bunch of MSPs, and you see, you know, uh, like us that you know working with multiple MSPs that you sort of see different things, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, where you know, where do you see that most MSPs in you know you're very uh, operationally driven um, with what you do with C level? Um, it's in the name, in fact. <laughs> um, where do you find is the low hanging fruit? You know, I. I say what Aaron said uh, just before around um, uh, the automation and the types of automation that you can do was a really good insight because I think we've been sold the dream from like Isaiah 12, 13, 14 years ago now of you could just automate your whole service delivery through a platform. Well, ConnectWise call their product that, right? So, exactly. Isn't that ironic? (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me started. You mentioned the C word. (laughs) So we've, um, you know, we think of automation in the wrong way. If it's like taking a whole process and the machines and robots doing 100% of it the whole way through. And what Aaron just said there is like, there's different components that we can, use use our systems better for that make a whole lot of difference like forms fantastic way of making it repeatable and that can that can go across all your areas of the business just by creating a standard standardized way of dealing with something you've already automated most of your problems away with communication with uh, the amount of effort going backwards and forwards people not remembering everything like even something as simple as that is, is a really good, uh, really good perspective. And I think starting from there is really important. Like where I started our conversation from, being able to step back and have a think because where we typically start with automation is always, it's not even technical, honestly. Like most people that start with automation is actually inside the PSA and ticket handling. So the most common one that I can I, I see over and over again it's like automation of ticket closure. Use a status, let the, let the text select a status, and then the system will email the clients. My perspective of that is actually that's a really bad way of automating. We're, we're trying to um, solve social problems with technology. It's like what we all de- default to. All, all the majority of MSP owners, fantastic techs, built the business back on the back of that expertise. So we focus on things that we can solve symptoms of. So we're so that ticket closure process is a symptom of a wider issue is actually our communication with our clients. We, we, 
we don't close it because there's no closure process. There's no communication standards with clients, et cetera, et cetera. So we dive straight into automation because it's easier to solve. So I like to say, don't solve your social problems with technology first. Like take a step back. Um, and where I would normally start and with an MSP to start with any type of automation is actually taking payments from clients. It's the mm. most neglected part of all MSPs. Just think about all the time and effort it takes for you to chase up cash from clients, managing cash flow, et cetera, et cetera. If you've got your, all your clients, just I'll sell you the utopian dream of Kazaya, um, automating all your problems away. If you just flipped it on your head and you're taking all your payments up front and automatically every month, how much of a burden would that release on you? Not just admin wise, but also stress, stress like in the emotional side and, and having to have awkward conversations with your client, like just the energy of talking to the client on that rather than talking about proactive, like what are we doing with you? Where are you heading? It flips the conversation around. So I usually challenge people with that one and it's usually the one that most MSPs avoid and don't want to do anything about. Yeah, it's interesting, right? In the sense of, um, you know, I mean, let's be blunt, business is about making money, right? You've got to pay bills and all of that, but uh, having that conversation is always hard. Um, and like Aaron, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I started off as a tech in that sense. And uh, I, I jumped straight to the, the technical bits and pieces. When we started our automation journey, I started, I jumped straight into the, you know, the tech bits and pieces, you know, ticket automation, those sort of things. But um, I definitely, you know, we did get there and it did, you're right. You're hundred percent right. That it made a huge difference in the sense of, okay, standardizing the way we accept payments, you know? Um, and sometimes it's like, okay, you know, like I, I know a few MSPs well, quite a few um, don't, they, they only have a direct debit arrangement, right? So there's no chasing. It's like, okay, cool. You sign up with us where, you know, so that way there's no, no need or you know we need a credit credit card and file simply or something like that versus oh yeah you can pay us when you want send us a check god forbid um but yeah interesting okay um i've uh, we've got a, a example uh, in the chat that uh, daniel burrows put in there and i kind of like this as well um you know finding the things that you uh, that you hate doing you know which is always a good um you know, not always the the perfect way, but if you're a you know one man band and whatnot, and you kind of you you more of a lifestyle business, you know, you may not be a one man band, you might be a bit bigger, um, and you know, looking at those areas of your business that you kind of don't want to get out of bed for, you know, looking at those, starting to make a list of those, prioritizing them within your business and whatnot as well. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, um, so moving on a little bit. Um, about how we automate, and we'll talk about, and then we then we might kind of like jump into the um, the what uh, a little bit. Um, Aaron, you mentioned you've got some some tools and things that you mentioned, uh, you know, um, Power BI, etc. Um, within your business, you know, where do you, you know, how do you automate? You know, yeah. and then let's let's talk outside of your your kind of your your RMM and your PSA yeah, pieces of, course, of it, of you know, the, the the true business pieces of it, not yeah, the definitely. things that certain vendors are, you know, shoving down our throats. Yeah, no, of course. Well, look, I think I think it's um, what Daniel put in the chat is important. And I was just going to quickly touch there and say, there's an exercise that comes out of EOS and it's about, it's four quadrants and it's about what you love doing and you're good at it, what you love doing and you're not so good at it, 
what you don't like doing, but you're good at it and what you're not, you don't like doing and you're not very good at it. And the whole idea is um, when you, when you break up everything you do in your day into those four quadrants that you, the bottom ones, you either automate them or you get rid of them to someone else. And that's kind of what you said there, Daniel. So I just wanted to just, just touch on that, that it's really good to do that exercise and sit down and break it apart because it's, it, it at least gives you a target list of, of what to do. Um, the second thing I'll say there, Ben, is um, we kind of work, always work on the 80, 20 rule. Like, there's, there's so many ways where you can fall into it and go, oh, I want to automate that. Oh, but what about when blur blur happens and this happens and, you know, Bob, that pain in the ass customer does this, that won't work. Don't think about the outskirts. Like don't always think about the, mm. the what ifs. Don't let your entire automation break down for a, for a, for an, you know, an edge case. Um, always try and think if you can at least automate 80% of it and then, or delegate 80% of it. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the other 20%, those edge cases, that's fine. Just make sure there's an escalation process or, or something in there to hand off and, and address those edge cases. Because automation can also mean outsourcing it. That's, uh, it's, it's not, not, not always thought like that, but if you, you know, if you can outsource it to someone to make that problem go away because you can't actually automate it, it's still off your plate. And in my case, you've still, you know, you've still got rid of it and dealt with it, so... Yeah, and just yeah. expanding on that, it's like you, you mentioned, uh, make sure there's a path for escalation. Um, one of the, the other things we've seen work really well is also making a secondary process or automation to then go back and check. Yes. Right? So something that's going to run continuously or run kind of with you blind, going back and being able to check that on a regular basis to make sure that it's not just mm. kind of falling by the, by the wayside. Yeah, I've got quite a few um, automations written into my RMM. I'm not going to name drop, but... I've got quite a few where I actually can't automate something because of reasons. So exactly what you said, Luke, I've actually written a check or a report to catch the edge cases and then just deliver it to me monthly. And that way off my phone, I look, I did, and then I just pass on. So it's, it's taken a, what could be quite a problem if it dragged on for months uh, then I just get it once a month. I quickly look at it. Oh, yeah, that's a two-second click of a mouse button that can't be automated because it's so stupid. Or I just forward it on to someone to deal with it. So, yeah, so good things like that as well. And sometimes um, it's um, customers that you can't automate, right? You mentioned the kind of, you know, that they won't follow a, a process. But I don't know, maybe they're a legacy customer and touching possibly. on uh, what James mentioned, the, the, the social issues of having to retrain them. Um, you know, starting with that 80-20 <laughs> rule as well. Um, and, and you know, I, th- I think that, you know, like this, we the topic of this is starting on your automation journey, right? So um, the sooner you start any new clients that sort of understand those processes or those automations and whatnot, they're, they're trained from the word go. Yeah, you know, definitely. Well. Like, um, but also as a social thing, which James touched on earlier, like we've had a good two or three attempts at trying to make a beautiful portal for clients to log tickets in and, and actually automate, you know, based on their answers and do stuff. And then no one ever uses it. Um, despite us running surveys that people say they'll use it, they never use it. Now, whether that's our problem of delivering it properly, possibly, but we just find everyone just seems to default back to lo- shooting an email off to log a ticket. So, um, so again, you just deal with things like that, that and phone, we still have, we still have like, a, I think it's 40 something percent of our, tickets still come in through phone, um, which I think is crazy, but people seem to love it no matter how much we, we try and tra- change their minds. So, um, so we're just going to deal with that and, and, and carry it because I'm sick of trying to force it down their throat and make a social problem. So. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point, Aaron. Like I, I, I'd go back to a lot of this is taking a step back and understanding the purpose. So like the portal is a really good example of people trying to do automation in MSP to re- not only reduce the cost of delivering service, but also 
to provide a better client experience through transparency. There's a lot of benefits there. Often we don't um, we don't think through the strategy and what we're trying to achieve from it enough to make like fully back it. So when I hear people like what exactly what you just said, like people still default to email. My first reply to that is often, well, did we turn email off? They've still <laughs> got a choice. Like they're going to default to old behavior, aren't they? That's right. What they know best. Yeah. So in this process, um, in and I don't, automation is, I think, this is where we get confused a lot of the, where most people get confused when we talk about automation. It's a component of delegating away processes and, and tasks. Mm-hmm. And automation is delegating to a system and um, technology to do it for us. But like you said, outsourcing is a form of um, this automation and delegation. And I think what we need to do is step back. So this example with, with like the cloud portal, why are we doing it? what are our clients like? What do we need to actually stop them using their old methods? Everyone, I always hear, we need to get rid of phone calls. And my my first question is always, what clients do you look after? There's, you know, what verticals are you working with? There's plenty of verticals that don't sit in front of a computer but have technology problems that they might be out on the floor with clients. Like I used to work with hospitality. They couldn't, you couldn't expect them to email in. They needed to be able to do it from their phones. Mm-hmm. But it's how we handle it from there. It's most of the problems with answering the phones, as an example of our automating a process, it's because it's an issue because we spend so much resource on actually trying to resolve the um, issue on the phone rather than having a clear triage process that sets expectations and lets it go into the system. So we end up having to throw a lot more resources at the phones than what we would have if we looked at what are our processes and how do we how do we automate some of that We're using our systems to reduce that so it's a quicker phone call, it's a log, log and flog type thing. That's right, yeah. Just, yeah, I often just on the back of what you said there is just saying why. Someone says to you, oh, we've got to get rid of phones. Why? Like if customers like yeah, it. Challenge it, right? Constantly yeah, challenge, challenge it. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've Should got to be, make sure there's a, a correct return on the, on the other side because if the return is, oh, great, I don't need to have people answering phones, but I've just pissed off 75% of my clients, then... It's not a good automation. It might look good on paper. Oh, we reduced phone calls by so many percent. Yeah, great. But you'll slow burn off those clients. It might take a year and then they don't like you anymore. So I would never get rid of phones. Like that's, you know. Well, I think that you mentioned like 40% of your tickets can be by phone, right? Um, it's your goal is, and that's the thing, you need to think about what the actual outcome, the goal of it you're trying to achieve with that because it's not to reduce it to zero. No, definitely it's not. it's potentially so like you know if, if you could reduce that by 10 percent as an example what would that have within your business you know and you might identify certain clients that like james said that aren't don't have that criteria that you could potentially go all right well let's encourage these guys to do let's group them and sort of say okay let's let's see if we can get these guys to retrain but it might also just be a retraining thing not how they're submitting their tickets right correct but it's also what phone calls are coming in you know mm. most people most phone calls are coming are i've i've lost my password or holy shit, everything's on fire. And so you don't want to, those ones kind of need to come in that yeah, way. I mean, there's yeah. the password one, there's other options, but <laughs> there's, there's reasons as well. So yeah, it's it's definitely more than just, I guess the, I guess the big thing we're trying to say is make sure you measure it accurately and mm, you do exactly. the automation for the right reasons. And, and internal business processes uh, are a really good one because they're actually not necessarily trying to change a social aspect for clients or anything like that. You're really just trying to, for me, it's actually consistency. It's trying to make it consistent and then speed up 
then you speed up things as well. So just, you know, human error, it's, it's always going to be around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you've, I mean, you've got to, you've got to be able to account for that. Like you mentioned earlier, right? Someone is always going to hit the wrong button. They're going to, you know, whatever the case. So there's a reason we have backups and things, right? Because people accidentally delete an entire folder and well, whatever the case is. Um, so, okay. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, systems. We talked about, you know, um, in terms of, again, I'm going to use this sort of phrase low-hanging fruit because, you know, how do we, how do we help people that are on the call get started, right? Um, you know, we all, we've talked about a few different things to, um, that we can automate. You know, we talked about tickets. We've talked about these sort of bits and pieces, um, but, you know, payments, et cetera. But what are the tools available as as part of that journey rather than sort of actually yeah i don't know learning you know php or python and becoming a full-blown coder um what are the tools out there that can actually help you on that journey um that aren't going to cost an absolute bomb ideally yeah of course of course i I mean it depends on your goal if and, and your issue right so if you're trying to reduce the amount of tickets or if you're like something stupid like windows patching right i've been i've been dealing with microsoft patching for 15 years it seems to be my baby and whatever i still seem to be responsible for it i know right i know right and you've got different tools Uh, i guess i'm just gonna say i'm just just look at what daniel burrows put in the chat a few minutes ago about uh you know delegating the processes that you hate and just you know (laughs) (laughs) well ironically i've spent so long getting it done well that i feel like i'm a bloody industry expert on the matter because every every rmm you have or patching tool does it right everything does patching but, I've, but Microsoft patching can break down in so many different ways and the RMM tools don't factor that in. So, you, again, you need to then look at the reasons for it. And so, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've seen every patching issue ever, but I've seen lots of them. And I've then automated the fixes to those issues. So, I mean, everyone patches, but it's about detecting that it's broken, detecting why it's broken and seeing if you could script or do whatever to, avoid it, to, from to again. avoid it from happening again. And then ultimately, if you can't, automatically dropping a ticket to the right person to actually do the manual work. And so now I just can sit back. I don't actually have to handle patching at all. I got a very simple report that tells me where things are at with numbers. And I just look at it once a month and I go, it's good, it's good, it's good. I get the occasional outlier and maybe something's broken down in the automation, but it's, it's very rare. But in terms of what what you can automate or how are the tools? So again, it depends on what you're tackling. Software deployment has been something we've been on a journey for a, a good 12 months now about really improving our software deployment, um, about what about the methods our technical people deploy software, um, either whether that's ad hoc random ones or in a scenario where you've got to deploy something to an entire client. And there's a lots of different ways to tackle this problem. Um, you know, even Intune and, and, and things like that have, have options now for you. But again, I always come at this from a cross-tenant, you know, MSP vision. Uh, not where Intune, it's very much one sort of environment. Um, but if you look at things like um, IMI, there's a soft, software out there called IMI, I-M-M-Y, which is relatively new, but been around for a few years, but it's really, really good um, when it comes to the software deployment side of things. Um well, one that one that should people uh, a platform that people should look into, which is brand new. Um, I don't even actually think technically it's released yet, um, but it's Roost R E W S T. Uh, it's it's new and it's targeted MSPs. And if you have a look at that and what they're doing, it's going to be 
pretty game changing uh, once they once they, they I think it's a waitlist scenario at the moment. Um, but you can get a demo if you just fill out their forms and stuff. You can see what they're doing, um, and it's pretty awesome. And the integrations they're doing, I, I would encourage every MSP to have a look at that one because um, that's that's very exciting. Uh, but then that's from that's that's all very much technical focus as well. You've got your RMMs, of course. You've got your various platforms. There's, there's a million other things out there, uh, and it depends what what issue you're tackling. But and I guess on the sales side of things as well, everyone should be, you know, everyone's got sales. It's the reason we're here and it's all, all a part of it. But looking at quote creation and proposals and things like that, um, that's something that can be this, the sales automation. And yeah, just creating creating quotes is, a, is, a, is an interesting one because I would say we've done it pretty manually for many, many, many years. Um, Using Excel it. spreadsheets and Word documents, et cetera. Yeah, just to, Word templates has been a big thing at Roden for bloody years and years and years and for proposals and quotes and whatever. And sure, they've made it really fast with lots of word templates, but it's still shit. And um, that's something I'm, I'm changing at the moment, but like there's plenty of tools out there um, for, on the sales front that you can look at. I mean, if you're in the ConnectWise e- ecosystems, ConnectWise sell, but um, you know, it's ConnectWise product. So don't say Aaron told you to use that product, but um, you know there's different platforms out. There. There's lots of them. There's Quota. There's Zomato, which yeah, is uh, not Zomato. Zomentum. I always get the wrong one. Um, yeah, yeah. The IT Quota. There's there's quite um, a lot of them. You've got previous Glue, who was an Australian company that Dado bought. Yes, yeah, um, so that's now Glue Dado, Commerce. Uh, Dado so, Commerce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's just going through its rebrand at the moment, um, and they all do slightly different things. Um, yeah, Line Guard. I just saw someone put into the thing. That's around documentation automation. Uh, automation which is a really good one as well that's often missed so um you know line guard does that component where it goes and talks to all the all the environment and automatically feeds that documentation into line guard or things like it glue um and all those platforms so there's lots of different technical tools out there you could go on forever probably on <laughs> on the on the various platforms that are available so um, well maybe i'll throw it back to james then so yeah, for the non-technical yeah. in sense of like you know, what, what do you see out in the wild that MSPs use just to start their automation? So I'll start, uh, I'll say what people are doing wrong and Aaron sort of touched on it. The problem is these days there's too many options mm-hmm. and there's like pretty much in all the operational facets of our business, there's tools and platforms that we can uh, automate, present things better to our clients, the list goes on. There's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of great tools, a lot of great things out in the ecosystem these days. We're too quick to just go and buy a tool to solve our problems. And the reason why I bring that up again is we often half implement these things. So we don't actually get the benefits of what we're, we're doing and we don't take the time to review our systems because we do it in a rushed manner. It's like we've got to got an issue with, uh, let's just say, dispatching, as an example. We're using ConnectWise. We've got some issues. We rush out, get one of the tools like Nalir or Tribute to solve our problems or magically um, make it all disappear. But we're not making the time to actually sit down and make sure our processes are mapped out first and that we actually understand what we're doing so that then we can reshape and like cut out stuff that we don't need, streamline it. Maybe we don't even need a tool at that point uh, of doing that. 
maybe we do, but then we know what we're going in for and we know what the features that we need and why we're doing it and the purpose and ideally have an owner to actually implement it. Because half the time it's an owner saying, I've got a problem, I keep getting sucked into this, I'll just buy this tool, that'll make it go away. It doesn't, but we get dragged into the next bushfire that we have to deal with. And all we're doing is adding cost and cost and cost and cost. Yeah, cost cost of subscriptions can blow out so quickly with these things. Oh, 100%. Yeah, for average, one to $3 million MSP, revenue MSP, Every time I go and look at a, at a prospect or a client or help somebody, there's at least four grand on average that I could rip out in savings of all this stuff that they're not using, haven't implemented, don't use the features and can um, reduce, their, um, reduce their subscription costs. The biggest one I've done so far, it was like a $5 million MSP and we saved about 25 grand a month in subscription costs for all the stuff they weren't using. Um, so it's a real problem. And it goes back to not understanding our figures and what are we measuring? I'll use the ticket, the ticket example of the phones. As, as we were talking through it, what was going through my head is when you said, Ben, oh, we want to reduce our ticket count by 10% that's coming in from the phones. Is that actually the right metric that we would look at? I would say no. It's what's more important is reducing the time on the phones. It doesn't matter how many are coming in. It's how we're handling it. Um, how much time are we spending on the phones? It's a, a ticket coming in that takes three minutes to deal with compared to a ticket coming in that takes 30 minutes is a big, is a big difference. So, and that goes to everything that we do. And I know I'm making this, making this whole automation and delegation sound like even more complex. Why would I even bother? It's actually worthwhile. And what's important is just like picking one thing off at a time. It, yeah. Like what Aaron was saying, it's continual improvement. Like you can do this across your whole business, but we just do it one step at a time. What's our what's our big burning issue that's affecting our profitability is where it always start because there's an actual easy way to measure that. You're going to increase profit or you're not. Um, and whereas a lot of the other ones, if we don't have our system set up for any type of measurement, it's all just gut feeling and you don't, you can you can do some changes and it feels good, but it doesn't mean it improves your bottom line or actually changes any of the hard metrics. You just don't know. Okay, so, so we've got a question here um, from Don, uh, and which you know James maybe uh, you know feel free or Aaron. Um, any ideas on automating triage? So seen? I, I've seen some. There's a few. So, firstly, we need to know what we're doing everyone's going to get sick of me hammering back of this purpose and why and what are we trying to achieve? You're right. Root cause and, and return on investment is very, very important. To anything it's, but it's also very easy to forget. It is. is, it is. is as, as someone has mentioned in the chat, uh, Daniel, you know, shiny object syndrome, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And I know I've, I've, I've done it many, many times. It's, it's very easy to get distracted by something. So it's, you know, so, all right, let's assume we know where we're doing it. We've got a good purpose to it. First place is to creating a process. Like what are we what are we actually doing and achieving through um, triage and what are the steps that need to be ticked off? Then we know what we can work from there. So the first problem is most of us don't know what's involved in that. You've also got a fallback process if it doesn't, you know. Correct. And, and again, like I said before, maybe that's enough in the first place. 
if, if you're, especially if you're a smaller MSP, having a simple process that can set out expectations and we get some data inputted, let's go give a good client experience. We're already going to be better than what we were before. Operational maturity. You don't have yep. to be a 10 out of 10. Going from a one to a two is enough. You, know, you never, yeah. Exactly. Steps, baby it's, steps. It's a journey. You can't skip levels. It's, it's, a, it's a journey. It's a process to go through it. Once you've got that, then it's then it's using you know, making sure the PSA is set up to make it easier, so we can we can go through it faster. Then there's like what we touched on next, like Aaron mentioned it, the cloud, you know, having a portal, like Cloud Radio and Virosoft, that getting clients to self lodge their things can also be using one of the ones that I see most often is like alerts being generated. And we're not using like the email passing rules inside ConnectWise. The amount of people I come across that don't know that exists, that can reduce a whole lot of labor burden. We're not adding any cost or any extra work that's quite simple. And then you can take it to the level of like Tribu starting to try and build out automation around like through machine learning that's going to get the sentiment out and um, get the wording and what's inside the body of the email or the portal so it can set priority and set all the categorization of the tickets. Though you can see how there's a journey there. If you jump straight to um, the end game of like just getting a system to try and fully automate it, you don't know what tickets you're trying to, you're dealing with. You're not, you don't know what sort of expectations you're trying to set with the clients. You don't know what try, data that you're trying to gather so you can make other data-driven decisions and all you're doing is speeding up something that you don't truly understand. So you will reduce some labor, but what benefits are you getting out of it? You don't actually gain any other insights at that point because you haven't learned the process and you've just shoved it in the back corner using a system to do it. So again, I just you know, challenge like there's a process of doing this right. And Aaron's touched on it quite a lot as well and how he's gone about it. I think, unfortunately, a lot of us YOLO things in, in these uh, situations where, uh, you know, we've got a fire and we try and put it out. Um, yeah, I, but, but you're, you're 100% right. And I think if, if, if I look back at our, you know, where we've come, we've YOLO'd it you know, so many times, so many times. And it wasn't until we actually sort of turned around and actually, you know, we actually periodically review these things now um, throughout the year. Um, and Luke and I call them operational maturity days. <laughs> um, and, and we try and go through that. And that's, that's for a number of things. It's to avoid, you know, sprawl of subscriptions because people have just signed up for things and they've forgotten about it. Um, but, you know, and there's a lot of cases that existing tools can do the same thing. Um, but also making sure that what we originally, the conclusion that we came to is, is still valid. Um, which I think is in a lot of cases, we, we make a decision based on something and then down the line, the requirements actually change, but we don't go back and look at it. Um, you know, to, to quote uh, what uh, Daniel's adding lots of good tidbits in today. Daniel, I'm going to pull you into one of these. <laughs> you know, hey, can, I, um, can I just take Don's question for a sec, Ben? Yeah, yeah, um, please. So, no. I mean, Don just said any ideas for automate triaging and I said, do you have triage now or text triaging? And Don, you said I'm triaging. So I don't know your position, where you are. I don't know, Ben, if you know Don and, and knows we know what he's at, but um, look, I'll tell you how we've done it. And a little bit of what James just said, um, process is a big one. Um, and I don't know your structure or how your teams are laid out, but let's assume that you have tickets coming in and you need to throw them at certain people or um, teams. Um, I, I don't, uh, we don't, we don't run in a model where every ticket gets allocated to a tech and then stuck with that tech. We, we do things a little bit different, but um, 
Yeah, let's just assume um, there's only me. Okay, so it's only you. So you're triaging and tech, which comes back to my question. <laughs> I text triaging and that means it's yes. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. Um, all right, so auto triage like that. All right, that's a little bit harder, uh, but I'll tell you, I mean, we've got a, obviously a larger team. I've we, We've gone down the process route. We've measured all the types of tickets coming in various, you know, SLAs and response times. What I, the Where I've landed at the moment, and maybe this will help you, um, is I've outsourced that to Manila. So phone calls and emails go to the same spot. We have a person that answers those calls and they triage. So they pass them to the, we use boards in ConnectWise Manage. Oh, I said it, ConnectWise. Um, but <laughs> we use boards and obviously all the types and things like that, priorities and stuff like that. Um, so we're ta she's taking about 150 phone calls a week. Um, and dealing with, <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, Mez. But um, yeah, um, yeah, she's taking about 150 phone calls a week and all the tickets start there and triage out. We're about to expand that process shortly with something else as well. Um, but that, that's been working for us and that gets my text off the phones and off the triaging. And that, that's, that measurement has been based on time. So um, the uh, a lot of people would say... Um, you know, do you get complaints about someone from Manila answering the phone and things like that? We've only ever had it twice and they were racists. So I don't care. <laughs> That's how I answer that question. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't take, I don't take their feedback. So um, because they're awesome. They've actually been really, really good at it. They take great phone calls. They triage things. Teams channels, I know it's only you, but they're able to sort of alert the whole team immediately if there is something urgent, even though all the statuses are there in ConnectWise. You know, we have TVs dinging. We have... Um, an automation like we're sucking into the API of ConnectWise whenever there's a high priority ticket or an SLA about to breach, it starts yelling at everyone in teams, things like that. We've done a lot around that to get that SLA um, and triage stuff down. Um, but um, did I employ direct? No, I didn't go direct. I, I use I use an outsourcing company for that. So, um, but yeah, the, it's been very successful in that regard. And yeah, you know that might cost me whatever that cost me. 30 something grand a year or whatever, whatever the number is. Um, but that gets my techs off the phone um, and it frees up their time and they're the more, more expensive part of that equation. So um, that, that works for us and we've been able to measure it and yeah, it works really, really well. You could also look at, um, I mean, th this is less than ideal, but at a lower price point, if it's just you, Don, um, using a messaging service or a virtual assistant, those sort of things, there's some, you know, um, and sometimes if you're working something, letting it go to a messaging service, so at least someone is still answering it or something like that, could be a step in the right direction. Could be a step, yeah, not, definitely. You know, um, and if they, yeah, if, they, um, if they then fill out a form, like, you know, you could take that for you, Don, if your messaging service were able to fill out a form, you could have the categories in there and that could potentially then feed into, I don't know if you're using a ticket system or not, but if it's just coming to you, then that could at least high priority things for you and stuff like that. So lots of different ways to tackle that problem. Yeah, I'd back you up, Aaron. Like, There's two ways to approach it with labour. Like what you said, we've um, putting some out, offshored over to the, the Philippines. Uh, Cost-effective resources makes it... Makes it um, there's a return on investment there. As soon as you elevate text, even for you, don't. if you're a one-man man, if you have someone taking on those calls, even if you go to just spending more time um, billable, you're going to generate that money back pretty quick each month if you've got the right hourly rates. Um, but also, there's other ways to look at that um, labour labor effort down here as well. It's a perfect opportunity for people to bring trainees on. Mm. 
yes. put them in that position and start to learn them and teach them and mold them. They're useful. They're getting used to the clients. They're getting used to what tickets were coming in. You start to transition them, them into doing some quick fix work. Again, taking more more work off the more experienced techs to focus on the more experienced work. And it's a sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But it all starts with having a process written out. Correct. Because Always the process. <laughs> and make sure you're measuring it as well. It's not just hiring them and getting them answering the phones is not the end of that equation. But whether it's whether it's a junior or outsourced, it's not. So, um, but yeah, we, we took that avenue for many, many years of hiring, I guess to call them level one techs, and they were the ones that answered the phones and the others were further up the chain, so to speak. Um, but then it got to a point where we moved into that model and it's been very successful for us. But yeah, I wouldn't necessarily dive into that straight away. Um, but yeah, at least there's some ideas for you there, Don. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Well, we're, we've, uh, we've got five-minute warning, for, so time flies when you're having fun, hey? Uh, so if there's any other questions, feel free to drop them in the chat. We're always happy to um, to answer any of those. Uh, we've also got a, another little piece from Daniel. Daniel, I'm going to drag you into the next one, mate. I'll tell you <laughs> what, got lots of ideas. Um, you know, that you can use your recording to remind people if you've got it on your IVR. You know, um, that, that's a, I, I quite like that in the sense of going, hey, and I hear that with a lot of uh, MSPs um, in the sense of saying, hey, if it's not urgent, please submit a ticket, you know, um, those sort of things. Um, and I'll yeah, also definitely. add just, you know, in some cases, you know, if they're, if clients are calling your personal mobile, I know that uh, when we were an MSP, my business partner used to get a lot of phone calls to his personal mobile. And I actually made, made him a challenge once. I was like, how about we just change your mobile number? Um, and in the end he didn't, he didn't, he actually, you know, managed to go through it, but, um, it is very, it is hard if you're taking all the calls and, you know, if you can get them into a process, a proper process, rather than calling you directly, it will allow you to scale. So think about that as well. Um, and it also means that, you know, yes, you're always going to get your clients. It might be your P1s or your, you know, that they need to call you. That's one thing. But if you, if they're telling their staff that and so on, that can, that can really cause some you know, issues for you personally, when you're trying to, I don't know, spend time with your family. Yeah, do your phone IVR for anything, really. Statuses, large outages, we have a process. We get a message on there when there's large outages, like, you know, Microsoft, AWS, whatever it is, because um, you, you're going to get an influx of calls. So if you can sort of filter them all out and get them to hang up before <laughs> before they waste your, your human time, that's great. Um, Adam just asked a question around scripting automation with regards to auto-creating Office 365 tenants. Um, you triggered my memory there, Adam. There was another platform that I was going to give a shout-out for. So that's this is SIP. So C-I-P-P, um, that's Kelvin. Uh, if any of you know Kelvin from CyberDrain, he's a MVP and, and Gavin, um, they've been working on this. This was a bit of that, that platform is amazing. Um, it's, it's, it's new, as in it's only a couple of months old, it's free. It's totally free. Um, you have to put it into your own Azure environment. So it might cost you eight bucks a month. Yep, that's the one. Thanks, Luke. Um, that is really great. So for all of you um, doing, you'd all be doing 365 user creation, user onboarding, offboarding, tenant administration groups, you name it. That is, SIP stands for the CyberDrain Improved Partner Portal. Um, and it is awesome. <laughs> for all of us that are dealing with multi-tenant 365 stuff, um, coming back to your question, Adam, I think it creates Office 365 tenants, but if not, I've pretty I've seen that on the roadmap, but you can absolutely go on their GitHub and request stuff. Um, it's amazing. Uh, it's really, really good. It's really worthwhile from a technical aspect. That That's saved up so much time. We actually had a competition internally over the last couple of months of how long it takes from we need a new user set up, ignoring the 365 license for a second, but just the actual creation. Uh, we had a competition and 
I won't say where the time started off because that was a human problem um, that we got rid of that human, but um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's where that competition started and where it ended. I think the record is two minutes or three minutes or something at the moment with this platform to be able to create a new user, but even offboarding users, you need to get rid of them. And I'm sure a lot of you do the same kind of process we would, which is um, disabled user, initiate sign out, convert it to a shared mailbox, give that permission to someone else, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. They've written a nice wizard where you literally just go click, 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 done. And it's done. It does it all for you. Um, so definitely look at that one. That's a, that's, that's, um, and it can also do some rules on your 365 tenants as well. So if you're interested in setting standards, they call them um, standards. So, you know, enforcing modern authentication, disabling legacy, all those types of things, that platform will just run around and do it to all of your tenants uh, and every three hours, keep it enforced in that way as well. So, yeah, great platform. I was just going to um, add to that, uh, um, Aaron, that uh, you, you do have to be a little bit careful in the sense of, you know, just reacting. Um, so if, if your 365 tenancy creation is like your current pain point that you're dealing with now, is it the real, the, you know, basically track how many of those. So if you've yeah. got ticket metrics, look at your ticket metrics and then try and prioritize based off data versus correct, gut correct. feeling. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, know how many, I don't know how many 365 tenants you're creating. If it's that many, best, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I would have probably argue there's something else that would come before that one, but yeah. Yeah. Well, just, I mean, that, that's how we do it internally is we kind of look, we go, okay, what are we, what are we actually facing? What do we, you know, whether it be service delivery, whether it be whatever the case. Uh, and we kind of, we, we, we just do a numbers game. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and then we kind of basically, we, we set a goal, even if, even if those goals, you know, what we're trying to get it to, uh, sometimes we call them stretch goals, like, you know, stretch sales targets. And it's kind of like, this is really, it's a bit further out. Um, other than might be nice to have, but that does help for us to make decisions when we, you know, um, yeah, anyway. Um, you've got to yeah, measure it. You've got to do decisions. Once a quarter, I sit with the operations manager and rip through our ticket data and figure out what types of tickets are huge. What's the next thing? And it's not just ticket numbers, it's hours, but both. You need to look at both because, you know, a huge amount of tickets at, you know, one minute is, is still an issue. So you look at all those things. Use things like Bright Gauge um, is great for ripping the numbers apart. Um, if you're a ConnectWise, Cognition 360 is actually a really, really good platform from a performance, uh, well, for metric, for profitability as well. Um, but you can do a lot there to measure your, and improve your profitability. Um, but yeah, you've got to, you've got to pull it apart. <laughs> got to pull the numbers apart. And, you know, it obviously goes back to what we said, return on investment and, and just working out where the automation is right. So, and we fixed a major problem in October just by simply changing a process and creating a Teams channel called Escalations and giving all of our techs a voice to instead of pass the ticket up the escalation chain, which just ends up in this ticket tennis process around the company, to just simply ask, tag everyone in the channel. And we normally it's me answering them because I'm sitting around, you know, GMs don't do anything, remember? They sit around, don't do any work. And, and I'm the first one and just said, have you tried this? They're like, oh, no, that was it. Thanks. And I'm like, yep, high five, another ticket closed for Aaron. But um, <laughs> stuff like that. It's just simple little things that you can empower your techs with to just ask questions and they feel better about it. So it's, it's amazing. Again, all back to that measuring the data properly. But that's a really good example of a simple automation, right? In the sense of it's it doesn't not even have automation, to be really. script. Well, it isn't, but it's, 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 yeah. it's working towards the same goal, right? It's and a it's process. A it's a process. It's a process. Yeah, so. That's it. And I'd wrap up with thinking like what you were just saying there is like using the data to decide on what's next. ROI is one of the most important parts for you. We, we get sucked into, we can try and automate everything. 
if it's going to take us a hundred hours to automate something that we only do <laughs> once every quarter, like touching on what Aaron was saying around like the tenancy creation, like maybe that's not our highest priority at the moment. It, it can, there's a lot, we get sucked into those annoyances. Ah, oh, we don't really like doing it when, and then we ignore the really important parts in our business, like take payments and, um, like actual admin labor, like some of the simplest things that making changes I've ever seen of like simple PSA setup, people spending so much time on billing issues at the end of the month because they haven't got the PSA set up correctly. I've saved someone like 20 hours a month from one setting because of one setting against one client in their PSA. Start with the, they, they might not appear as the low hanging fruit, but like what are the ones that are going to have the biggest impact? Focus on one, make that change, learn from that process, and then keep and then keep doing that continual improvement. And don't then. forget time, sales time, time it takes you to create proposals, get pricing, admin time. Like it's it's so easy to forget. Oh, it's just an admin process. Well, let admin do it. All right, sweet. Let admin do it. Then you just then suddenly you need a second admin person. Oh, how'd that happen? <laughs> and they'll never so, question it too either, will they? Aaron? Yeah, but no, no wait. It's like I need told a- really well. I've had my sales manager come to me and say, I need a second person for this. And I go, cool. Why? This is just because there is so much on. And then I look and find out they're just doing this dumb process What's over the and over. What's the bottom? Yeah, why? Why do you need that person? And just dig into it. And it turns out now, once I get involved and we automate something, it means it turns out they have more time than they did before without the person. So, yep. yeah, it's funny. Yep. It, it just, you got to measure it. <laughs> you got to measure everything. Yep. And it's, don't try to, we've been speaking a lot about today around thinking, forward in the future don't th- don't try and solve the problems if, if if you're a one million dollar business don't try and solve the problems and assume you know what it's going to look like at, at a 10 million dollar business mm, you correct. don't know exactly what you said earlier in the piece aaron it changes and evolves as you grow and as you mature things different so you need a review and process. that's okay as well. that's it's not only okay it's actually the best way to do it we don't it doesn't have don't, to be 10 out of 10 no just get from one to two yeah, I often look at, we were talking about operational maturity and um, and we're, we're a little bit over, so we will wrap up, guys. But I, I, Your I, mic, Ben. Your mic. Better? Yep. Yeah, cool, <laughs> sorry. I, I'll try and wrap up because uh, we're a little bit over time. But uh, uh, basically, you know, I always look at this as operational maturity in the sense of um, look at every single department. At a very, very basics, just give it a score out of 10, right? If you've, if you've got multiple, it might, it's a bit, bit harder as a one-man band. But um, if, you've, if you are, you've got those different departments or you've got different functions, give it a score out of 10. Try and back that up with data. Um, and then rather than make one area a 10 out of 10, try and just do that across the business, level it up consistently. You know, get everything to a two then get everything to a three, right? Because there's no point in having, I don't know, sales of 10 out of 10 or an absolutely amazing triage process um, if you can't actually get the issue resolved or if you can't bill it or whatever the case may be, right? So That's just right. try and level that up across the board, um, you know, and because that way you're not, you know, sometimes you know, crawl before you can walk is that with those sort of things. If the first um, thing that came to your mind when Ben said that was, I have no time to do that, that's where you start. <laughs> Figure out what's taking up your time, automate, delegate, and then go work on the other departments. Yep, 100%. Um, which guys, uh, with that, I will wrap that up. I'd like to say a huge thank you for that today. As I probably mentioned, automation is a topic that I love dearly. So hopefully you got to learn a thing or two about how automation can help your own MSP scale. As always, if you'd like to know more about Hosted Network, check out our website at hostednetwork.com.au.